I'm like, all right, let me get one more cast. I throw it out. I sweep the bait, and uh, I thought I felt like a thump. I was like a rock. Well, that rock started to move, and it started screaming drag. <laughs> this is one last cast you are not going to want to miss on episode 68, brought to you by ReelsAndTackle.com. Welcome to the Telltale Fisherman Podcast, where avid anglers share the story of their best fishing day ever to inspire yours. Now it's time for another epic adventure. So here's your host, John Woodson. Okay, welcome to the show. Our guest today is Chris Diamond, who's coming to us from Tampa, Florida. Chris, how you doing, man? Hey, John. How are you, bud? I'm doing well, thanks. And uh, I understand your uh, alias is the Bearded Angler. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, on Facebook and uh, on YouTube. Uh, I haven't been able to make videos lately, but it just kind of stuck with me now with facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you're, and you're sticking with the beard through the uh, hot Florida summer here, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, uh it helps with uh, the the wind blowing through. I call it insulation, and uh, the sunburn <laughs> on my face as well. Oh, there you go. It's like a built-in uh, face mask. Oh, I like. Oh, that. yeah. I'm I'm going to try that excuse with my wife. I I don't think it's going to work, but uh, uh, <laughs> she's uh, hasn't let me have a beard in a few years. But uh, I'm always trying to think of my next best excuse to have one. So I like that. I like that one. So, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh man! Well, um, so I mentioned you're from uh, Tampa over there, and yes, uh, I thought maybe before we jumped off into the fishing, because I know we're going to have a lot of good fishing to talk about, uh, just from seeing your Instagram and all. But uh, before we hop into that, why don't you uh, tell us what keeps you busy between fishing trips? Uh, well, yeah. Um, fortunately, I, I I don't fish full time. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't make the ends meet quite as much as I would like to. So, uh, <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> so uh, Monday through Friday, uh, I run an excavator on a pipeline company. We put in uh, big pipe, small pipe, round pipe, square pipe. It don't matter if it's pipe and it's got something running through it. I put it in the ground. <laughs> oh, there you go. How about that? So I just oh, yeah. we just had our uh, our yard regraded we built our house a couple years ago and uh the yard was a mess and bumpy and i had a guy here running a excavator and bobcats and all that kind of stuff so oh yeah it, it, it looks it looks kind of fun actually i almost wanted to sneak over and drive it when he wasn't looking <laughs> it's always fun for for the first day and then when you get into it every day it turns into work <laughs> well i guess so i guess it i guess it would but uh still pretty cool uh driving those big machines around so now i just wonder what's the craziest thing you've ever seen i mean have you ever seen something get destroyed uh with you know machine that wasn't supposed to or something like that oh, uh, no yeah definitely uh, i've had a uh, excavator operator back over the boss's truck oh uh, one day <laughs> yeah oh, and uh by, by far the craziest thing i've ever seen like while i was in the ground um, we actually hit a woolly mammoth, like, uh, like fossil, um, down in Sarasota, oh, years ago. And, oh. uh, they had to stop, they stopped the whole job and excavated the job for fossils. They brought in everybody. <laughs> it actually ended up being a whole woolly mammoth when they were done. 
Oh my goodness. How cool is it? And, and so I guess, uh, you, you know, when the, when the excavator unearthed it, it didn't damage it too bad or anything. Uh, no, no, it didn't. Um, I think it actually hit one of the vertebrates and we, we stopped and I thought it was a rock or something that got down there. And I said, guys, this is a bone. So we took a wow. shovel, maybe dug out around it a little bit. And I'm like, guys, we got something here. You might want to call somebody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that was uh, pretty, pretty heads up of you to uh, notice that and, you know, make the call. Yeah, I'm just glad it wasn't a human body. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no kidding. I, I'm, I'm sure excavating, you can find all kinds of other things too. So, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. Well, yeah, that's pretty neat. And uh, you get all around Florida then? I mean, you kind of hang in that uh, Tampa West area or you, you get around? Doing that? We move um, north and south, maybe most of the farthest I've been away is two hours. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of uh, city and county uh, contracts at uh, water departments, um, wastewater treatment plants and stuff like that. So, we like to keep it local. My uh, company bids local jobs, so that's really good on me. I don't have to travel. Yeah. I'm a single dad, so I can't really be away from home too long. Yeah, and well, there's more than enough uh, roadways and projects over there to keep you busy full time, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. It's one working. Uh, Tampa is turned into one big construction site. Oh, <laughs> we're, under, we're, under, we're under development. <laughs> yeah, well, Orlando is not too much different. Uh, we're oh, we're yeah. growing like weeds over here in this part of the state too. But uh, oh, I can tell man. you that much. Uh, it, it made it hard for. Uh, I went to ICAST a couple weeks back. Yeah, and yeah. getting back, getting back from there on I four was a nightmare. Right, right. It yeah. was. That, that's one big project they have going on over there for yeah, sure. I know. Well, I I know some of the listeners may be. Uh, uh, you know, have little sympathy for us if they're in Houston or LA or some of the you know, super bad <laughs> traffic places, but we've still got it pretty ugly here in, uh, in this uh, I-4 corridor with all the construction kind of west to mid uh, central Florida. Uh, it's it's a little ugly, ugly right now. We're going through growing pains with a lot of people coming in here. So, um, oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, it keeps, keeps you busy full time, right? Oh, yeah. Job security. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. No kidding. Well, so as you say, that's the that's the work side of it. So let's let's talk about the fishing side of, of, it, of it a little bit. Um, so snook fishing. We were uh, yes. we, we had chatted a little bit uh, the other evening and we're starting to talk snook. Um, and I know that's kind of what you're doing right now since that's a season. So let's let's start there, man. Tell us about the kind of snook fishing you like to do. All right. Well, uh, yeah, n- n- number one, that, that is my favorite go-to um, fish by far. I mean, I oh, like redfish, yeah. I like trout, but uh, hands down, I believe that big, large female snook are one of the best fights you can get. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, the time of the year, they're in the passes, they're on the beaches, and they're breeding right now. Um, and my go-to bait right now is, uh, a large, uh, grunt or pinfish and I'm standing on rocks. We wait out, we carry our five gallon bucket with live wells, uh, <laughs> out on the rock. Yeah. Uh, we, we climb, we got, we get a few bumps and bruises. Um, but on a good night, you know, you're landing 38 to 40 inch snook consecutively. Wow. Um, so, so, so the cuts and bruises are, are worth it, you know, yeah. uh, so, yeah, that's just like right right now though. Like I said, it's it's that uh, breeder season right now. Mm-hmm. Now a lot of them. I went fishing last night and caught a few ones. 
Um, they are post-spawn now. They've okay. already a lot of them already a lot of them have already laid their eggs, so they got that soft belly to them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not quite as uh as as full as what they were before. They weren't that thick, just mass. You know, you catch a a thirty eight inch snook, but just the mass of it is just ridiculous. Yeah. Now that it's still they're still big fish. Um, but they just got the soft post post spawn belly to them. Right. Um, right. Still a great catch. Still an exciting time. There's no other feeling like it than holding on to a rod and getting thumped by a 40-inch snook. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I've never <laughs> caught one quite that big. I think my biggest is kind of in the 34, 35-inch range. But, man, they are, you know, <laughs> even even mm-hmm. small ones fight great. But when you get up in that, po- you know, 30 and above, it's it's a pretty incredible fish. Oh yeah, uh, my buddy actually just got spooled last night. We were using uh we actually got into some big grunts. I mean, they were bigger than our hand. Oh and, wow! Uh, you want them alive, good. And he stood out there, and he even called. He says, "Man, this one right here is going to get smoked." And he counted <laughs> it down to the second. He's like, "All right, you ready? Three. He's like, "My grunts acting funny. I'm getting ready to get hit." I'm like, "No, you're not." He counted <laughs> down three, two, one. He got thumped, and he he's using a van stall. And he had it cranked down, and he still never turned that snook around. Wow. Ever. It was gone. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, I was very, I would have been very interested to see the size of that. Um, because, it, like I said, in the passes right now, there's, yeah, you have a few males around because they do have to mate, so they have to be there. But there's no telling right now, this time of year, what size that snook is going to be on the end of your line. <laughs> wow. So so are you uh, tackling up with pretty heavy rod, or are you still kind of light oh, gear? Yeah. Um, yeah. As of, for me, um, I know a lot of guys, you know, they go with the van skulls and stuff like that. Um, for me, personally, I use a 4,500 uh, Penn Slammer 3. Mm-hmm. With, um, I, I just went with a brand new Cast King. Um, 40 pound braid or 30 pound braid. Sorry. Yep. And yep. I'm using, um, I don't use uh, fluorocarbon at night. I'm just using regular, um, 60 pound, um, mono leader. Okay. And, uh, the size of the hook is definitely, um, important here. Uh, a lot of the times, you know, you're using big bait. So you have to have a bigger hook right. to uh, go through the bait and still have enough meat on that hook to grab the fish. So my go-to hook that's been stellar this year, I mean, it's stuck a lot of fish, not a lot of pullouts. There's a trocar six-aught circle hook. Mm, I got to okay. go with the circle hook here. Yeah. Uh, my buddy is totally opposite. He doesn't like circle hooks. Um, but And honestly, I was totally against not using circle hooks because I was worried about him swallowing the hook. Yeah. But yep. um, he, he uses a big, the big uh, owner gorilla uh, six-aught hook. And I've, I'll be honest with you, I've never seen him hook one even deep. I don't know wow. if he's just that good and he knows <laughs> when to set it, but it's been right on the button every time. And he hasn't missed any either. <laughs> huh. Well, yeah. it, it just goes to show, I mean, you can make it work either way. But I, I've really been surprised at how well circle hooks will really get into any fish's mouth. Um, I mean, I've, I've caught bass on circle hooks, you know, and I never kind of, I never thought they'd be very effective. But uh, uh, one time my, son was was catfishing uh and uh was using circle hooks and caught a big old bass you know on a, on a oh yeah um and it it worked great uh so yeah i i'm i'm with you if 
if there's at all a chance that you can, you know, if you can at all get away with a circle hook, I definitely like to use them because they are pretty good about. Oh my, yeah, no, definitely. And another thing is, hook, um, yeah. a lot of people, um, they, they believe that they don't trust the circle hook, mm-hmm. you know, so that's why they want to go away from it because they've had that circle hook pull out or that circle hook goes through the bait and then comes out and foul hooks the bait. So you don't get a good hook set. Mm-hmm. Um, what I usually do, it's a good rule of thumb. Um, as I let that snook, we always fish with open bail while we're doing it. Cause you want that bait to be swimming away from you the whole time. Yeah. I have my, my line pinched in between my finger and I'm feeling what that bait's doing the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're using braid, you can feel it a lot better. So I can tell whether that fish is swimming away from me or you can literally feel the thump of that snook through the line. As soon as he dunks, I let the line go. I just let that snook take it, take it. Then I'll close my bail and let that snook tighten up. Oh. Then I'll start to reel. But as, as soon as I start to reel, I actually, people say, don't set the hook. Well, I don't set the hook with the circle hook. Right. I give it two quick, I give it like two maybe quick pulls, you know, and that kind of, it's kind of like setting the hook on a circle hook, but it just reinsures that that's, that actual hook gets in that big fat part of the mouth. Right. And it's not, you know, or if it's a bone, it'll roll off the bone and actually grab some meat. Um, because if not, if you're just reeling it, a lot of the time these snook are hitting your bait and swimming to you. Um, yeah. So you can't, there's no way to get a good hook set on them if you're just reeling. So right. I would, uh, I would suggest maybe giving it one or two just quick pumps and that just kind of reinsures that that hook's in there. Right, right. In case it was just kind of hanging in the side and while he's swimming oh, at yeah. you and you pull it free. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah, especially in that current like that because they could turn oh, yeah. and make up some ground on you really quick and you, you're, you're not even quite sure where they are uh, for, <laughs> exactly. for a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know how many times we're out there, we got the fish hooked. And this is, you know, me and my buddy, whether it's Joey, I got, I got two good guys that I go with. I don't fish with a lot of people. You got to have good guys. Yeah. If he hooks up, you run down the rocks and land his fish and you can trust him to run down the rocks and land your fish. Um, and we've done it multiple times where we're hooked up and like, okay, where's he at? Where's he at? Where's this snook at? Like, and I can't, I think he's close. And then he jumps like a hundred yards away. I'm like, no way. How did he get that much line out on me? <laughs> yeah. It's like a, like a tarpon or something where they just scoot off so fast. You think he's to the right and he's already back to the left and, and jumps and you know, it's, they're, oh, they're yeah. pretty wild. Yeah. They're definitely a, they're definitely a sporty fish for sure. Especially when you put rocks, wind and you got one guy down waist deep in the jetty like and you're trying to make that fish go where he doesn't want to go so my buddy doesn't have to run back up the rocks and run 100 yards west <laughs> to get to the other side of the rocks it, it yep. definitely uh it definitely gets sketchy sometimes but like i said man when you land with your hands inside of one of them mouths of a 40 inch fish man it makes it all worth it it really does wow yeah well i'm i'm looking forward to to getting a hold of one of these one of these days uh um is is it now are they breeding there in the passes or do they go offshore and you're kind of catching them coming no um they actually come in the passes and on the beach to breed Mm -hmm. uh they don't really go to they go to the only deeper water they need pretty much is the pass yeah um they move they move away from structures uh they move off the flats because it's so hot this time of year and they do it every year um, they, it's a mig- pretty much like a small migration mm-hmm. where everybody, you know, 
I know a few guys that are on it like clockwork. They do it every year, and they can go to the same spots and produce some just massive fish because they know every year the snipper going to be here at this certain time yep. to breed. <laughs> and I'm fairly new to it, to be honest with you. Uh, a guy, Dan, one of my buddies, Dan, took me out, you know, and, and kind of showed me a little bit about it. And uh, I just took what he taught me and kind of, you know, looked for similar, you know, spots to what he showed me right. and kind of put it to the test. And I'll tell you, man, a lot of it is just pretty much three things I look for. Current, rocks, and sand bottom. And if there's anywhere that, that current can rip across a jetty to where it kind of makes that wash. You know, when you get a strong current ripping across the corner and around that corner, you see the wash. And it's kind of like it's going a different direction where that current changes. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of a, like where the tide slows down right there. And kind of an a eddy bit. there. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. A lot of the times those snook are sitting in that area because they're so big and so lazy. They don't want to swim in the current the whole time. Right. So they're waiting. They're, they're sitting there in that slower current, you know, using the least amount of energy as possible. And when them baits sweep across that, that, that uh, fast current, they just ambush them. That's why it's such a hard hit. And mm -hmm. so just, you know, a hundred miles an hour, right when it happens is because they want to hit that bait and go back to where they came from. Yeah. <laughs> and as soon as they feel that hook, they're like, Oh God, what happened? And they just, <laughs> it's, it's intense. Yeah. They explode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For oh, sure. Oh, yeah. That's good stuff. So that's this time of year. Now, do you, do you fish snook uh, all year round down there? Or oh, do you? yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, actually that's where like, um, to be honest with you, um, I have a boat, uh, I have a 20 foot release flats boat, but, um, I, I catch snook off of it. I'll catch a bunch of small ones, mm -hmm. but during snook season, I don't even use my boat. Yeah. I, I have, I have way better luck from shore when it comes to slot snook being able to take home during the season from shore than I do off my boat whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, during season this September coming up, I'll be on the snook again hard. I love eating snook. I mean, they're great fighting fish, but they're also great eating fish. Yeah. Um, and I finally uh, figure, you know, that, that it might be a small slot window that you can keep them, but I think that it's definitely sustainable. Mm -hmm. um, so I keep, if I go out and fish and I catch one, I'm going to keep it, you know, if, it, if it's uh, legal size. Right. Um, now if I'm on them every single night, a lot of the times during snook season, I'll wake up at 3 a.m., go to a local bridge or try any of my other spots, uh, before work, go throw one in the cooler and, uh, go to work for the rest of the day and clean it on my lunch break. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You, you certainly have the uh, tool to dig a hole to, uh, bury the carcass in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I had to, uh. I was asked to stop throwing them in the work dumpster because the stench was uh, stinking up our job site. Right, right, yeah. Well, I remember the the old days. You know, we'd bring fish home and uh, after cleaning. You know, when I was a kid, and Dad'd say, "Okay, go dig the hole." You know, because we we didn't live on a pond or anything. So you go dig the hole, bury the fish guts, and <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, that's the one thing I like about you know if I if I'm if I'm able to, I like to go over to my dad's house because he does have a pond. Mm -hmm. um, and if we get on a bunch of fish, me and my buddy, you know, something, I would like to go over there because you just kind of feed the turtles with the carcasses. You don't have to yep. dig the holes or anything. <laughs> yeah, it gets gets recycled. Every little bit of it gets used. Oh, yeah. That that helps out quite a bit. But like I said, if I'm at, if I'm at work, I got to try to find a hole and put them in. But it's, at least there's a lot less shovel digging. 
Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. So, so you have the, you have the flats boat. And so I guess, you know, the rest of the year you uh, kind of do the tarpon or well, I guess tarpon, but uh, the redfish and trout and that kind of stuff too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, this time of year, um, it's baits relevant on the flats. I fished a cockroach area down there in Ruskin a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and bait is everywhere, but the uh, key, the key to getting a redfish and pretty much snook anything right now is getting out there early before mm-hmm. that sun gets up. Um, right. it gets so hot in them flats right now. And especially if you go back behind the mangroves, you'll realize how hot it gets too, where there's no wind. Right. Um, so I like, I like to get out there before the sun gets too high, get my bait. The bait's right there on the flat. You can get them at the tower still. There's a lot of threads in at the towers, but I like greenbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, cast net my bait with my barracuda net and uh, black on my live wells and uh, go fishing, man. You got to get out there. And a lot of them redfish and snook are holding underneath the mangroves and the mm-hmm. shadow line. And as the sun does heat up, they will move out of the mangroves and move onto the flats and a little bit deeper holes to try right. to keep that consistent temperature. Yeah. So when you, um, when you're fishing for them like that with bait, do you stock a spot, you know, you anchor out of the spot and kind of throw chum up to the mangroves and wait there a little bit and then move on? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. I would say, um, chumming, uh, heavy. That's why, you know, I I always tell people, if you're going to go be, have more bait than what you need, Mm -hmm. have have tons of bait because you want to throw out hands. I got a, a bait bat. Um, and I fill it up and just throw it. Um, yeah. and if nothing, if nothing hits those tremors, chances are there's nothing in that area. Uh, I mean, I'll still throw a line out just in case, mm-hmm. but that's the most, that's the prevalent thing is that throwing that first handful of tremors out and the snooks and even the red, if they're there, they can't, uh, they can't help it, but hitting a, a hurt, a hurt bait on top of the water mm-hmm. like that. You got to kind of squeeze them a little bit, slow them down. Right. And they'll be on top of the water kind of fluttering. And that's just like candy to them. They can't resist it at all. So that'll right. be your that'll be your number one factor in finding fish in the area is ch- the way you're chumming and how how heavily you're chumming. Okay, so you're actually chumming out there and watching for fish to start rolling on them uh, to know whether this is a good spot that I want to stick with or hey, I need to move down the the shoreline another hundred yards or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I have. I have certain spots that I go to that knows there know there's fish, mm-hmm. but most of the time when I'm in cockroach or pretty much any mangrove line, I've got my trolling motor down and I'm trolling and I'm just, you know, okay, maybe this spot looks good. Hey, let's get some chum out and just throw. Mm-hmm. And then we'll throw it and all of a sudden, boom, them snook will start just exploding. And then you're like, all right, guys, well, here we go. Let's get a line in the water. <laughs> yeah. And then the fun you begins. Know. Yep. And a lot of the times, uh, my buddy, uh, lost an overs overslot a few weeks back uh, we were at the boat ramp and I was like okay guys we got a bunch of bait left let's just start dumping this bait out and we're Mm -hmm. dumping the bait out and uh, the snook just started exploding on the bait we just let out and we're all now we're out of bait like (laughs) man we had all these big snook hitting around us because they were a large snook I'm like man well what do we do now my buddy's like I got a spook on you know the super spook yeah the top water yep um so he literally seen one blow up and threw that spook right on top of it. And that snook actually came back and hit that spook from the boil. Oh uh, and he, it was, when it jumped, it was probably about a 34, 35 inch snook. Oh, wow. 
And he lost it right at the boat, too. It was a heartbreaker. Oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that so been... that's when we're like, okay, it was fun. Let's go home now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, it must have been just to see those fish going nuts like that when you threw that uh, chum on them. That, that, that would be pretty cool, even if you didn't oh, get yeah. one. It's exciting for sure. Um, that, that, by far, is one of my favorite types of fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of guys, you know, they're so stuck on one thing they're either all artificial or you know they're they're totally against everything you know a lot of fishermen especially me you know we can be hard-headed you know one thing and Mm -hmm. you go with it um but i'm I'm not like that i go with whatever they're eating um right during like as uh right now what we're talking about uh the big snook that are breeding right now i use live bait um the big grunts but during snook season when i'm getting all them snook and i'm talking about maybe like 20 20 slots a season that I can bring home. I don't bring them all home, but that's how many I catch, about 20. Um, I use I don't use one drop of live bait during that at all. I use swim baits during yeah. for the slot, okay. you know? And it's just, I, I don't have any rules of thumb with that whatsoever. I just go with whatever they're hitting. Right. And that's it. I like, I like catching fish, you know? I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to not use one thing because I'm stubborn, you know? If they're hitting that, I'm going to ask, hey, you know, what do you think about this? They're hitting that. Okay. Then let's use it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm with you. You know, I, I let the fish tell me what they want and I'm, I'm not going to argue with them about it. <laughs> exactly. And, um, a big thing here in the Tampa Bay area, um, a few years back, you know, people started using, especially for snook fishing now, um, flare hawks, you know, the jigs, uh, mm, okay. a lot of people use them, the, the first light jigs and stuff like that. Um, and, it created a whole new breed of fishermen is these guys go out there with backpacks full of jigs, like a 20 pounds worth of jigs. And that is all they will throw all night long. And yeah. I'll be sitting there right next to them. And the bait I use, the Ber- it's a Berkeley swim bait. It's a cheap bait that nobody would think would work, mm-hmm. but the snook love it. And I'll be sitting right next to them, sticking one after another. And they're looking at me and they just will not, they will not get away from them jigs whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it, only, and, it only takes me about one or two fish seeing the guy next to me, uh, <laughs> catch more than me. And, and I'm, I'm looking to make a change. Yeah. I, I, I don't have pride. I'm, I'm ready to catch that <laughs> next fish. Oh yeah. No, definitely. Because like I said, um, a lot of people, they, they really do go crazy over them jigs. We've got a saying here where we have a uh, jig wars here in Tampa Bay area. We got a couple of local guys that make jigs. Uh, then we got guys from out of town that make jigs, and every one of them, you know, claims that their jigs will catch fish and the other one won't. Um, so I mean, then they got the pro staff guys that right. literally just throw their jigs, you know. And uh, it is—it has turned into the jig wars uh, here in, <laughs> here in Tampa Bay that? area, man. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. You'll, you'll you'll just keep throwing those live baits or swim baits or whatever else right in front of them and catching the snook oh yeah i'll just keep throwing whatever they're biting buddy i have no preference whatsoever whatever them fish want to eat that's what i'll throw there you go (laughs) i'm with you so well so we kind of talked about the inshore stuff do you ever uh get offshore and do any of the bottom fishing or any of that kind of stuff over there oh yeah um yeah uh i do not as much as what i would like to Mm -hmm. um but yeah no I, i go offshore uh here and there, uh, my brother, uh, he has a um, Brady White. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm the inshore guy, and he's the offshore guy. You, you know, go. he grew that up. Works. Yeah, he grew up, he grew up uh, he's my half-brother, so his other side of the family was, like, offshore guys. 
And okay. my dad raised me to be inshore. So it works out perfect. You know, when he wants to go inshore, we ride inshore. And when we want to go offshore, we hop on his uh, boat. And I tell you what, man, he really is. When it comes to offshore, he knows his numbers. Yeah. And uh, it, it, there'll be days when 30 minutes and we have our limit and grouper and we're wondering what else we want to go, you know, load up <laughs> on, whether it be amberjack or snapper or, you know, maybe look for some cobia on some markers or something like that up there at the Whistler. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really enjoy. I I do enjoy offshore fishing a lot. It's totally different uh, than what I'm used to. Right. You know. Right. It's yeah. fun. It definitely is fun though, because when you get bumped on offshore, I mean, the first second you're going to weather know if it's going to be a grouper or if it's just going to be a snapper. You know, and that's what I love about that is you never really know what's going to hit you down there. <laughs> that's it. That's just it. You, you don't know whether it's, uh, <laughs> you know, a shark mm -hmm. or a grouper or, you know, cobia, it could be any number of things. And, uh, that's, that's one of my favorite things about, uh, saltwater fishing is, is you just never know what the yeah. next oh, is yeah. going to be. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cool. That's definitely exciting. Yeah, for sure. So, well, we've we've covered the uh, two of the big three in Florida. So, I, I may as well ask, uh, how about uh, uh, freshwater fishing? You ever uh, get to do much bass fishing or anything? Oh uh, yeah, no, I actually uh, grew up um, bass fishing. Um, mm, like right. I said earlier, my dad lives on a, a pretty big pond. I guess you could call it like a small lake. Mm -hmm. uh, we moved in there. I was you know a young kid in 1995. And uh, there wasn't one largemouth bass in that pond whatsoever. And uh, my dad, you know, said, son, you're going to end up growing up to love this pond. And I'm like, well, I, didn't, I was a kid. I didn't see it at first. Mm -hmm. So then we started taking, you know, we started transferring uh, largemouth bass from my grandmother's lake mm -hmm. into that pond. And uh, probably about 10 years later, we had a very, very healthy largemouth population yeah i'm talking about to where the biggest bass i ever caught was 13 pounds in my backyard oh, that's, <laughs> on, a live, that's a big on a live fish. rim wow on a live, yeah on a live rim uh it was bedding season and uh i seen her and i was like man i gotta get this i was just it looked like a, it almost looked like a grouper down there i couldn't <laughs> yeah, right. believe it <laughs> right and, uh, right so so i uh i kept on catching brim you know, mm -hmm. and she would grab them and swim them out and spit them out. And then finally I got one for her to, she annihilated it. And when she hit, I was not ready for it at all. She took off and that's one of the only times I've ever had bats take drag on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Well, the, yeah, those big ones, it's, it's a whole different ball game. I, I caught one right at 10 pounds, not, not this betting season, but the last year. And, uh, you know, when that thing grabbed a hold of it, it, it was, you know, <laughs> it was a whole yeah. different situation than what I was used to when I got a strike. Uh, we were oh, yeah. diving into the weeds, you know, I had to plunge in there with the boat and I was, it was diving under the boat and uh, <laughs> I was trying to reach it down no, and grab right. it because we didn't have the net out. Yeah, it was, it was a, uh, <laughs> it was a mess, but we got it. Yeah, Bass are uh, bass are uh, the closest thing in freshwater that I think of that is like a snook. That's mm -hmm. why I like them because they are ambush predators, man. Right. They'll be sitting there working a top water, and it's almost scary sometimes how hard they hit it right next to the boat. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I I don't know whether it's because the water's darker or um you know because they hide right in that cover and they feel like mm -hmm. you can't see them or whatever, but they 
the proximity to the boat usually is not a problem for them. I mean, if they want something, they'll come right up and, and steal it right oh, yeah. at the boat. Yeah, whether you're in a boat or, uh, like I said, I'll walk around my dad's pond and I'll, I'll be getting grass or something or I've actually had the lure in the water right by my feet and I'm like, I messed up and had a bird nest. So I'm sitting there, you know, messing around <laughs> with that. Next thing you know, I hear a pop and the line's taking. I'm like, what the heck's going on here? I got a fish on. <laughs> got to hand line the fish in. Oh, yeah. I, I always wonder sometimes if they're not down there staring, watching, looking for that bird's nest and then they go hit the... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. that. Oh, they're man. smart. They are smart. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, well, we've talked about some uh, pretty epic uh, fishing that you've uh, been able to do and some cool stories already. So, I can only imagine uh, how cool the uh, most epic day of fishing is going to be. So, we're going to take a quick break right here and then we're going to get right back into it. So, everybody uh, hang tight. Live bait is often the difference between an epic day and a slow day of fishing. On my last vacation, we were fishing for snook on the beach. The fish were there, but the bait was not. So I ended up driving my boat a mile away to catch bait and then transported them back to the spot on the beach with a five gallon bucket. However, in the hot Florida sun, that plan did not work out so well. But now I've found a much better portable option for keeping bait alive on the boat and on shore. Visit tell.fish slash gear to check it out that's tell.fish slash gear okay we are back with chris diamond and just been talking about some uh straight up cool florida fishing i mean he's done it all you know big bass big snook uh you know offshore fishing the whole bag so he's i know gonna have a lot of uh great days on the water to choose from when it comes to an epic day but i understand he has one in particular picked out for us. So just kind of tell us, you know, what you were doing and, uh, and, uh, what was going on that day? All right. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. You know, um, uh, it, it literally sticks out of my mind because to this day, it's the biggest smoke I've ever caught in my life. Mm. <laughs> it is, it was last year, uh, the end of the year, it was a harvest moon. So uh, I had the big moon in the air. Um, and we were actually, it was during snook season. We were fishing for swat snook. I weren't going for monsters or anything like oh, that okay. whatsoever. Um, and I was using swim baits. And these swim baits I use, the snook love. But on the bigger snook, if you uh, try to horse them, the hook does straighten. They don't have very good hooks on them. Mm, so okay. I've, had slot, I've had slot snook straighten these hooks. Um, so we're, we're just moseying on down around the Skyway area, you know, looking at bridges, rocks. Uh, pretty much a typical thing we do when we're looking for, you know, slot snook. Um, and uh, it's been a really, really slow night. I mean, we've caught maybe 10 that were like 22, 24-inch snook. So mm -hmm. it's still kind of a frustrating night. That moon's getting overhead. And uh, me and my buddy Joey were out there, and we're, we're trying one spot, and uh, there was nothing. I didn't get any bites whatsoever. My buddy's like, all right, you know, let's go. So he starts walking back to the truck. I'm like, all right, let me get one more cast. Well, that <laughs> one more cast, I throw, I throw it out. I sweep the bait, mm -hmm. and uh, I thought I felt like a thump, but it was a rock. It was like a rock, you know, yeah. and it didn't move whatsoever. And I'm even tugging on the line, like, oh man, I'm snagged. Well, that rock started to move, and it started screaming drag. <laughs> and oh. mind you, I have one of these, 
one of these swim baits on the pogies, the, we call them pogies, the Berkeley mm-hmm. swim bait, uh, that the hooks are known to straighten on. So I didn't know what I had. Literally, it was like, I didn't know if it was a stingray or a tarpon. It could have been anything where I was fishing. Yeah. So I'm trying, my, my buddy's already back at the truck, out of hollering distance. I got a fish on the line that's about to school me because I can't tighten down the drag because I'm worried about the hook. Worried about the hook, and I'm right. fighting. And I'm, and I'm fighting current the whole time, so I'm trying to walk. I got my phone in one hand, trying to call my buddy back to land this fish. Um, so he finally makes his way back down there, and he says, Chris, what do you got? I said, I don't know what I got, but it's still screaming drag here. So finally, uh, we get the fish turned around. I'm starting to gain a little bit on him, uh, and I see a head come out of the water. It was uh, The snook was so big. It couldn't even get out of the water. Its head could just get out of the water. Oh and as soon God. as I seen that, I said, Joey, this is the biggest snook I've ever caught in my life. He didn't believe me because he didn't see it. I said, no, Joe, seriously, this is a big fish. So we finally get it close enough. He goes down to the rocks, and he says, oh, my God. I didn't even see it because he was in the way. He says, oh, my God. I said, what? And he's like, this thing is almost half as big as I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? He's like, no, seriously. He grabs it with two hands. It takes him two hands to grab this fish. And luckily, uh, we had we had our tape measure on us, the stick. So I said, Joey, it's a big fish, so I know it's not going to be a keeper. Let's measure it just you know, to get a, a measuring. And I got a video measure just for proof. People didn't believe me there. Uh, we got a measuring, and it was 41 inches. And that wow. was that was the, that was my biggest snook, and just the fat girth on it, uh, and everything. Just the moon aligned it perfect for me that night, because uh, like I said, I've had smaller snook, way smaller snook, straighten the hook on me on them baits. So I don't know if uh, somebody was looking out for me that night or, or <laughs> what it was, but uh, that's actually you know until this day that snook is my profile picture on my. Uh, on my uh, Facebook there, and it's been shown uh, quite a bit on Instagram. Star Rods uh, posted up, uh, American Tackle posted the picture up, you know. So it was pretty neat, man. It's definitely uh, one that I'll never forget, um, and one that I'll always be thankful for that I was lucky enough that night to somehow, some way, land that fish. <laughs> yeah, and and not only that, but that you took that one last cast, you know, and yeah, could have just turned and, and, and walked away, and oh and yeah, it was almost it was it was picture it was that stuff that you hear about there. Oh, I caught this on a last cast, you know, and it almost sounds like unbelievable, but that was it. I'm like, he was already back at the truck. I'm like, all right, one more cast, <laughs> kind of moping around, and this happens. And if you could only understand the adrenaline rush. After oh, yeah. me and him both had from that, because we've never even seen a snook that big. That was before I got the beach fishing and everything else. So that was by far the biggest snook me and him seen to date, you know, and had it in our hands. Um, so we got our pictures. We got a quick video. Um, I even got a video of me releasing her, you know, healthy. She swam away good. Oh, and yeah. uh, that fish is that fish is hopefully out there uh, probably about 43, 44 inches now. hopefully uh getting ready to meet you at the pass one of these nights that'd be great i'd be happy to accommodate her (laughs) (laughs) oh i don't doubt that one bit (laughs) oh man well yeah you talk about the adrenaline rush i mean man i get a rush from catching snook half that size just thinking (laughs) of that one holy cow yes yeah monster yeah 
did you go a little lighter on the drag worrying about bending that hook? Um, Uh, yeah, I actually did. Um, and it it sounds weird, but using them baits, uh, I've kind of almost, it sounds crazy, but I can kind of like tell, like there's like a fine line where you're like too tight where it will, uh, pull or straighten. Mm -hmm. And there's, it's just such a fine line that I kind of almost like depending on that fish and the way he's fighting, I can almost tell how much heat I can put on that fish. Now that doesn't mean that I get it right all the time because I still straighten hooks out and I, <laughs> you know, but usually I'm pretty good at it. Um, but I still had to put quite a bit of heat on that fish or she, there was no way I was going to turn her around, right. you know, especially where I was and the way the current was ripping and just the massive size of that fish. I would have never turned her around if I didn't, you know, put some heat on it. <laughs> oh yeah. And, and you know, the way they can put their side to the current like that and, and resist you, it, it, it almost doubles their weight. It seems like, you know, it makes them such a bigger fish and you've already got a monster on to begin with. Oh yeah, no, definitely. She, uh, she knew what she was doing. She got that big, uh, from being smart and mm-hmm. she did everything she could to make sure I didn't get her in. But like I said, stars were aligned for me that night. And, uh, yep. Hopefully, you know, maybe one day I'll be able to beat that. I've caught, you know, close to it. I've caught 40, but uh, I've never caught one just with the overall just mass that that fish had. That could be a uh, tough achievement. You could fish for many years <laughs> and, and not best that one. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, I'm thinking this breeding season's coming to an end. Uh, so I don't know if I'll break it this year or not. But a couple guys, uh, local guys here, uh, Danny Gibbs, he caught one that was right at 43 inches this year oh off the my beach. Oh, goodness. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So it, it can be done. Yeah. Um, and he, that guy, you know, like that's one of the guys, him, Daniel Sullivan. Uh, you know, they're, they're part of, uh, we run uh, a Facebook group right here on Florida called Real Florida Fishing Crew. Uh, and okay. they're part of them. And those are the guys that constantly, every year, year in and year out, are just putting up quality numbers of fish. Uh, so they're pretty much, you know, the, they, they've got it on lock and I just kind of listen to them and take any pointers that they give me, you know, cause I can only hope to be, you know, land some of the fish that they've landed. Right. Right. Well, you've, you've come close. You're definitely in the neighborhood. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, with that being said, um, I, uh, back, getting back to, you know, I don't know if maybe you or some of your listeners or whatever, are you on Facebook as well, Don? I am. Yes. So we've got right. the Instagram and, uh, Facebook and, and Twitter. And, uh, and, and when we post this episode, we'll, we're going to post your, uh, social media, uh, feeds as well. So it make it easier for people to find them and go check out some of your pictures and, and follow okay. you and, and see is, uh, so they can find out when you actually, uh, do best that 41 inch. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, if you don't mind, I'll do a shameless plug, uh, for our, our fishing club here. Uh, it's real Florida Florida fishing crew, uh, right here on Facebook. And, uh, we have an Instagram as well. Um, we do a lot, you know, here in the local community, a hundred percent of the proceeds for the raffles and stuff we do, um, go to different charities every month. Uh, last, last month we gave a hundred percent of our proceeds to the teacher sells, um, a raffle of a custom tortuga rod, um, went to autism anglers. Um, it's a charity, uh, my buddy Don Moore started, uh, to get autistic kids out of the house and fishing. 
And uh, this month Very we are cool. raffling off. Very yeah, cool. this month we are raffling off another custom torque two garage with a pin clash four thousand. And a hundred percent of those proceeds are going to outdoor valor. Uh, it's a charity that gets, um, disabled veterans out in fishing. Uh, oh, so I'm very nice. excited for that, man. Uh, I love, I love giving back. Um, and me and my, my team here, we, uh, we really do enjoy, you know, fishing and getting other people excited about fishing as well. Right. Well, that, that's awesome. I'm glad you mentioned that actually. And, and we will put a link to that uh, to your, to your club on the, uh, our show notes page when we release that as well. So, um, definitely, yeah, I, I'm going to check that out and would encourage others to do too, man. Those are some great causes and some great work you're doing. Keep it up. Keep yeah. it up. Yeah. Well, if you're not busy this, uh, this next weekend, man, why don't you come on and head down to the Keys with us? Uh, oh. we're heading down there. Oh. <laughs> we're oh. headed down there and, uh, we're doing a, a cleanup there, uh, this weekend coming up and, uh, everybody that comes out, um, we got free swag to give them. We got a lot of prizes and stuff like that to give up. Uh, we're going to try to clean the keys up a little bit. Uh, we're really disappointed in some, you know, the people that go down there just for lobster season and just kind of trash the place. So, uh, we want to keep our beaches. We want to keep our shores clean and, uh, make it, make it fun for everybody, you know? Oh, that's awesome. Uh, well, that's exactly what I was going to ask you. you. Are you guys going down to clean up after the uh, lobster season chaos? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yes, sir, we are. Uh, we're actually going to be uh, doing our first cleanup at the Jumping Bridge right there in Marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very well-known spot. We're going to be barbecuing, has live music. Um, and we're just going to be, you know, getting people out of the house, man. Get some gloves on. We got gloves for everybody. And everybody that uh, participates will be getting free stuff. And like we got free food for everybody as well, right there in Marathon with uh, my buddy Kayvon Rini, uh runs Florida Keys, uh, a Keys vacationing getaway there. He's the mm-hmm. captain down there, and he kind of got with us, and we we couldn't no wait to get behind it. It's a good cause. No doubt, yeah, that is awesome, and I, I'll, I'm going to uh, make sure I follow you guys too, and uh, uh, yeah, that w- that would be great to be able to get out to some of those uh, events that you're doing there, and. Uh, and help out, man. That just sounds like a lot of fun. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, it, it, it's a good time, man. I love meeting everybody. Um, it's good to take, you know, people that you see on Facebook and actually put a face behind them in the real world. Get to shake some hands and talk about fishing face to face. Absolutely. Nope. That's, that's <laughs> what we're all about. So, well, uh, man, uh, Chris, it was sure good to talk uh, fishing with you here this evening, man, just some awesome stories and, uh, and just, uh, wow. Incredible snook that you got to catch that night, man. That's just great stuff. And I just uh, <laughs> really, really thankful you came on and shared that with us tonight, man. Thanks so much. Hey. Hey, John, I appreciate you having me, man. Uh, I really enjoyed myself, and uh, I look forward to uh, hearing all the other catches from all the other anglers around, you know, not only Florida, but maybe around the United States. Absolutely. All right, man. Take care. All right, John. Take care, buddy. If you're new to podcasts, there's a simple way to get our latest episodes delivered straight to your mobile device. For iOS, just click on the purple podcast icon. For Android, click on the play music icon, then search for Telltale Fisherman, hit subscribe, and get ready to enjoy the most epic fishing adventures in the world. This has been the Telltale Fisherman Podcast. Thanks for sharing another great tale with us. 
Be sure to check out the show notes page for more info on today's show and the gear we talked about. Keep those lines tight and we'll catch you next time right here on the Telltale Fisherman Podcast.